Hello and welcome to another edition of GateDrop.com podcast. Andy McKinstry joins me again and we're going to look back, Andy, at the first three rounds of AMS Supercross plus some British Arena Cross chat, which has been a pretty phenomenal opening four rounds of that series. We'll talk about that a bit later on. But let's start with Supercross and Eli Tomac. First round at Anaheim was pretty phenomenal. He looked like he was running away with it, had that crash, came back, still took the win. And at that point, you're thinking... It's Eli Tomac's to lose. Two weeks later, round two, Eli Tomac wins again, and you're really starting to think who's going to beat him, although Cooper Webb gave himself and maybe everyone else a little bit of hope by reeling him in slightly at the end of that, that second race. But the Triple Crown came, and Eli Tomac threw it away big time in the third third race, trying to pass Cooper Webb, of all people. I think there was the four of them, or not Webb, actually, but Saxon Roxon. Tomac and maybe Anderson were all going for the overall win. It was pretty intense. The Triple Crown certainly brings a lot of drama, and I think I'd like to see more of those races because each race all had its own story. And it all ended with Eli Tomac going down hard. That opened the door. Chase Saxon took the took the win. Cooper Webb, very happy with his performance, held Tomac off for that time and kind of maybe you could say forced the mistake. Ken Roxon on the podium with the Suzuki. He's only 11 points, I think, back off the of Eli Tomac. He still has the red plate, but Cooper Webb chased Saxon four points behind. This championship's wide open now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, first of all, it's been some very good racing uh, during the opening three rounds, especially the first round and the triple format there, which were all the Anaheim. Really, really good racing. I think the first round uh, with the weather conditions made for a very rough track for Supercross. It got really helped and because everyone was so hyped up, but led to quite a lot of crashes and things too. And maybe some of those things you wouldn't get when everyone calms down a bit later mm-hmm. in the season. Uh, second one, pretty pretty okay racing. But yeah, like you said, the Triple Crown, loads, it was very dramatic. And even the 250 class, which I'm sure we'll probably touch on later, it was it was very dramatic as well. So, so far, I think if you're analysing the championship, I think realistically probably four riders and then maybe a wild card after that i think when it comes down to the championship you're probably looking at eli tomac who i still think is probably the quickest in raw speed but for a change his starts weren't good Mm -hmm. in the triple format which means he needed to pass his way through the field and then he made the made the mistake which can always happen when you're when you're pushing to try and pass riders and especially cooper webb and then you've got chase saxon who actually won the triple header so very very good night for him in the honda um, obviously he went head to head with Eli Tomac in the MA Nationals hasn't really battled for a Supercross title yet so he'll be hoping to, to challenge for that and then you've got Cooper Webb who hasn't won yet but very very consistent and he was probably the one coming into the season we weren't totally sure about after the, the KTM issues last year but bike looks a lot better, he looks a lot better and even if he doesn't get a good start he's, he's able to come through the pack and then you've got Jason Anderson on any day can win but seems to sort of always get caught up on drama too so whether he can stay out of that drama and mount the championship threat remains to be seen and then the wild card we'll probably have is, is Ken Roxon obviously on the Suzuki got his, got the Suzuki back up in the podium which is great to see at Anaheim too and so far this season he's been very consistent but I think the most pleasing thing is his fitness looks great and he isn't getting tired at the end of motos which obviously has been a hindrance during his, his last few years after the big injuries he's had so even though during his HRC days there has been glimpses of him showing this. So I think for him now he just needs to continue this 
whether or not he can win races and win enough races to challenge for the title does remain to be seen. But I still think it's a very, very positive start to the season for Ken Roxon. And that one mistake for Eli's really opened the door, not just in in terms of he can be beat, but I think in terms of Chase Sachs, not only his second Supercross win, but obviously he was coming in from the Nationals, believing he had a, a title threat, and he was, he's was he been okay in the first couple of rounds. We all know what happened to him with Justin Barsha at round two, but now he's got that win. I think Webb at round two, even though Tomac beat him, the fact he closed in on Tomac at the end really solidified his belief that he could be a title contender, and that's only going to improve after round three. Roxon was seen with, with the Suzuki. He's getting closer. You'd imagine he's only going to get better from here. Confidence with the podium. And even Jason Anderson's only 14 points off, and he's had, for his level, probably two not very good rounds in, in the first two rounds. And all of a sudden, the championship is a bit closer than it was looking after, after round two. Even Dylan Ferrandes is sixth there, just a couple of points back. So all the big guns now have a wee bit more hope. And for Eli Tomac, <clears throat> you don't want to see, you don't want to give Chase Saxon that confidence again. You don't want to give Cooper Webb hope, especially Cooper Webb. You know what he's like when he gets his teeth into something and really believes he can win it. And I think he's starting to have that belief. He's getting confidence in the bike. That Red Bull KTM, he's looked good in three rounds, three totally different tracks. And for Eli Tomac, the, the dominator really of all the first two events and he was looking like he could win the, the, the third or at least the overall from the third main. He was in perfect position. He'd cut Ken Roxon out, off out of the gate in that third final. And then suddenly, here we go. He's on the ground. Lucky not to be hurt, really. He landed pretty good on, on a tough block. But Tomac sixth overall, door wide open. And now all these, these that top six are all going to think that they can win the championship. And it's almost a slight reset. For round four, it's almost like round one again, where everybody's got that belief. Tomac maybe isn't unbeatable, and it's up to them now to really put the pressure on Eli. But you have to think Eli's probably still the favourite. However, it's his first real challenge coming into this 2023 season, round four. How does he respond? Yeah, well, I certainly don't think he'll be panicking yet. I mean, in his head, he probably thinks he's the quickest rider there, and probably. that's and. Mentally, that's a good place to be. He'll just not want to be getting starts of God again. It's it's actually been a, a long time since the starts have been so bad because that's that's one thing since he's got on the Yamaha that's, that's that's improved the most probably getting out of the gate. So I think he'll just be wanting to get better starts, put himself in better situations. So so he doesn't need to pass those guys. And you know we all know what speed he has, so he doesn't need mm-hmm. to prove anything there. I still think he's certainly the favourite. Um, and even though I gave you five names earlier, I think it's, if it's going to come down to anyone that can challenge him, it probably is going to be Cooper Webb just because he's got that grit and determination. Yeah. And and the fact he hasn't won yet either, and he's still pretty close in the championship. So I think Webb probably just needs to win as soon as possible. And maybe he's the one that, that if he can win one, it could be a domino effect. Not sure if the rest will be able to run Eli Tomac speed every single week and, and win enough races to challenge for this championship. So yeah, it'll certainly be interesting. But I mean... Eli doesn't typically start the season that well anyway. I mean, he doesn't mm-hmm. usually win A1 to start with, so he won that, and that was already... He can tick that off his to-do list in his career now. He might not even make another A1 if he hangs the boots up at the end of the season. So, I mean, all in all, it's still been a, a positive start to the season for Eli, and I think he'll be happy with the speed he has. Just like I say, he won't want those starts every week. If he gets those starts every week, then it could get interesting, especially if everyone stays fit, because... Certainly the, the top five or six, very, very fast. Yeah, I think 
Webb, as you mentioned there, he has to win a race, you would imagine, pretty soon. And the next round's probably the round to do it because Tomac's maybe rocking slightly, at least in terms of the points. Cooper Webb's getting stronger and stronger, and he, he's always very good at when he senses weakness or when he senses his opportunity, let's say. That's when he can usually deliver. And I think he's probably sensing that right now it's, it's time to deliver and really put the pressure on Tomac. Saxon's going to be confident again. Well, it's looking, you've probably the top six in the championship or the fastest top six. And generally, they're sort of starting to get the starts. We've seen that all together. We've seen Adam Cincerillo get the starts. His fitness isn't quite there yet, but he'll probably come along later in the season getting better and better. But that that top six are really starting to separate themselves, I think. And they're all probably still believing half a shot at this championship. So I think round four is going to be one of the most interesting rounds. And of course, we have East Coast starting next week as well. So Tom Vial starting there. And of course, Mitch Payton, he's had to hire Chris Bloose in because both of his riders, Hamaker, injured and then Joe Schmoda injured the day after. So that's a pretty nightmare scenario. I think the hus- there's a Husky guy, Jalik Swole injured as well. So for the for the teams, it's a pretty brutal start to the East Coast series. But we have British rider Max Anstey's going to be good, I think. After his worst Supercross exploits, we have Tom Vial's going to be very interesting, but I think the, the favourite has got to be Hunter Lawrence. I've just seen what Jet's done, and Hunter's been seeing his pace, and Jet's been the dominator. Except yeah, well, round. just to touch on what you said about the <laughs> what you said about the, the top six in the 450 class, I think you're right. The only thing that we'd say is one rider that hasn't really got a good start is Dylan Ferrandez, something that's hindered him throughout his career. Very frustrating because every single moto he's had to come through the pack and he's been able to do it. But just on a few occasions, he's maybe got into fifth or sixth and then the rest have been gone and he hasn't been able to catch them up. So I think if he can get a good start and see that what pace they're running the first couple of laps, he's certainly good enough to, to run with them. But it's looking like he's going to struggle to get good start consistently, which which is a shame because he has the pace to, to run up there. If, if you well, he, was, he was a hit of rocks in there that last mm, moto and he couldn't I, sort of I, go I, with them. I think he's yeah. lagging a bit of intensity at the start of these races too, even if he's get. But as you say, he's never really getting away in the top three. He's maybe getting away fifth, sixth, sort of at the back of all the good guys. But yeah, he could be another one that's, yeah. that's ready to strike if he can get that wee bit, that extra probably 2% that he needs to, yeah. to really go for it. Yeah, exactly. And that one moto, he did get the best start, ironically. That was probably the one moto he rode the worst out of them all. And anybody can have yeah. a moto like that where you're just not on it 100%. So yeah, it'd be, it'd be good for him to get his starts. But it looks like that's just a weak link for Dylan. He's not going to be able to get them consistently, which is a shame because if he says he wants to... He wants to win a, a, a Supercross, t- well, it's just reality. Um, since he's got on the 450, he can't get a good start uh, consistently. So that's what he needs to do if he wants to win one of these titles, which which he dreams of doing. Fingers crossed he can do it because he's certainly got the pace. Um, so, yeah, um, going to the next round, it'll definitely be interesting. And, yeah, looking at the 250 class, yeah, I mean, Hunter Lawrence can just keep cool keep steady Eddie and you know blast out the motos and not do anything stupid he's certainly the favorite for this title um on paper he had a good he had a good cha- championship last year obviously going against somebody very experienced in christian craig and Anna times being his pace so i think he'll have the pace it's just a matter of keeping out of trouble and getting good starts and i yeah. think he'll be very hard to beat and already doesn't need to worry about joe shimoda <clears throat> so that's that's one guy won't need to worry about in the championship although i do think shimoda and ha- Hammaker, maybe it is. They'll be back after a few rounds, potentially. Yeah, they'll be in the 
they'll be in the races, but maybe not at not yeah, a title. Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. Just, title threat. We should mention as well, Levi Kitchen, consistency got him the overall win, and I think he's going to get stronger and stronger this season. He had a bit of bad luck the first two rounds. He got wiped out on the start at round two. But for me, RJ Hampshire really let things go on this unnecessarily. On Saturday night there, he had the, the win, and the first one, Jet, made a rare mistake. Give RJ the win, and you know he really needs to put the pressure on Jet, trying to get this championship going after two second places. He had the opportunity, Jet goes down, or gets knocked down in the, in the second final. Hampshire didn't get the greatest start either. He was ahead of Jet, though. He just needed to stay calm, and then his hand comes off the bar. He's a massive crash. DNFs that race. And ironically, of all things to happen, Cameron McAdoo, he got busted up pretty bad in practice in that whoop crash. He ended up sixth overall somehow. Pretty tough to be able to ride with that with the state of his arm all swollen his elbow. He ended up now going to second in points ahead of RJ Hampshire. And after the first first set of races, you would think it would be RJ Hampshire maybe having a shot to close in on uh, Jet Lawrence. But as usual... A bad night for Jet Lawrence relative to what he, he usually does. And he this was the night where he really extended his points lead. So again, Jet Lawrence in control. But it was nice to see Levi Kitchen, another young rider, winning his first Supercross. And, and Star Yamaha weren't looking too good in the first two rounds, but they've still got a Supercross win this year. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's um, there was pretty there was quite a lot of chaos in that two fifty class, not triple header. <laughs> and I don't think we're gonna see that every week, obviously. So it's a bit of a weird one. I'd usually agree with you with RJ Hampshire, but it was one of those weeks a lot of stuff happened, a lot of riders. So yeah, it's just, just unfortunate really. And I think he was probably riding pain off that crash as well. So that certainly didn't help matter. So it's funny, it's just funny the weekend that uh Jet makes his mistakes. Mm-hmm. He actually he ends up Taking yeah. a better points lead, so not not good when you're ch- looking to challenge him for the championship. He's going to be very very hard to beat now, barring an injury. So hopefully he can stay in and and win another Supercross title. And yeah, Levi Kitchen consistency maybe a bit of an issue throughout his his career so far, but um he'll be looking to put that right and to get his first win. Very very positive, and I'm sure Star Yamaha will also be happy with. Robertson as well, who had a good weekend, so they'll be looking at more of that. Whether or not they can do it on a consistent basis does remain to be seen. And had Hayden Deegan riding in the, the Supercross Futures, his teammate actually won, but his dad, Brian Deegan, said there may be a chance he might actually ride all the East Coast rounds. We'll wait and see. I know he crashed there on Saturday night in, in the main show, but we'll see what happens there. Certainly pace-wise, he looks like he's good enough for at least top 10 anyway on the lap times. Racing's a different story. But we'll see how many rounds Hayden does and maybe he'll, he'll even do them all. So still a bit of jeopardy in the East Coast. I think it's it's quite good. It was come a little early. Usually it's a couple of rounds later, but it'll just be interesting to see who's where and, and who's really got, got the lead. And obviously with Tom Vial making his debut, so I think there'll be a lot of eyes on him. But I'm not quite sure what to expect from him. You're probably looking in around top five, six at least anyway. If First of all, qualify, I guess through the heat safely, and then he's usually a pretty good starter. We're not sure how his whip speed is, but he looks to have the rest of the track pretty comfortable. But again, racing with the lights on under the pressure, brand new experience. It'll be interesting to see how, it, uh, how he adapts. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if it was going to be a full field uh, without any injuries, I yeah, mean, if he got tenth as a first without tenth at the first race, would have been good. But you know, there's three guys there he doesn't need to worry about already, so that already pushes him up maybe to seven somewhere like that. So if he can just got get a top seven or eight first race, just learn from it and just build from there, and and, and don't end up injured like some of your rivals. And I think it'll be a good season if he can just come away injury free and learn and learn and learn and. If he can, I'm sure we'll get to see him in the top five and maybe even the podium before the end of the season because we all know he has talent and we all know he's a very, very quick learner as well. Mm-hmm. So it'll certainly be interesting to see how he gets on as the season adapts. But I just think it's important to get the, f- the first one over and done with, really, and not too much pre- not have too much pressure on his shoulders, worrying about where he's going to finish. And Max City, they see him as a title contender. I think if he doesn't make mistakes, he shouldn't be too far away. Certainly going for that top three in the championship for me. I uh, don't know about a championship contender when you've got Hunter Lawrence riding, but yeah, top five, I think, would be realistic. Yeah, and then if, if the injuries happen, as, as we know, so who knows what can happen, but Max, throughout his career himself, has been in quite a lot of injuries, yeah. so again, he'll be looking to stay injury-free and, and have a good season. And it'll be good to see him in the 250 class. I think this is his first, since going back to America, this is his first yeah. um 250 Supercross champ, championship title, so it'll, it'll be nice to see him back on a wee bike. Yeah, I think that word Supercross will really help him because he's got the experience, the team have got experience working with him and everyone knows he's fast and he knows he's fast now. So Bial and Anse, I think it'll be the two of the biggest uh, eye-catching riders this weekend as well as Hunter Lawrence. He's coming in with pressure. Can he deal with the pressure the way Jet has and just deliver win after win? We'll soon find out. But that's the American Series, Supercross Series look back. Let's move on to British Arena Cross. So there's been four action-packed rounds. We were in Belfast. That started off with a pretty brutal crash with Joe Clayton and Jack Brunel. For anyone that's seen that, Clayton basically got landed on by Brunel when their lines came together in midair. Both went down pretty hard. Brunel coughing up blood in the pits. He went to hospital. He missed that round and then came back with a cracked rib and got on the podium. The next night, while Joe Clayton was pretty, he made the final on the Friday, and then he was sore on the on the Saturday and didn't think he had a couple of crashes and bad starts, didn't make the final. But both were back in the final, and Brunel again on the podium in Aberdeen. So straight away, you were welcome to arena crossing in the first heat race, and from there it was the Tommy Searle Conrad Muse show four four rounds in a row basically, and it all came to a head. Round four there in, in Aberdeen. The Searle won the first night in Belfast. Muse won the second night. Searle won the first night in Aberdeen. And Muse started, he started the claws way up to the back wheel of Searle on night two. Went for the pass. And I think Conrad was right in his uh, assessment of it. He did go down to the inside. And he did kind of take Searle's line. But I think he was nice about it in terms of he gave Searle an option. But Searle chose the option to try to go around the outside. And then that was... <laughs> Muse was still sort of committed to his line and they both connected and went down. Worked out well for Muse. He's not, he took second. Josh Gilbert took his first win and he now leads the title of championship over Searle. But the level those two were at was so in Belfast. I think they lapped up to near fifth or sixth on, on the second night. The level those two are at is pretty impressive, especially Muse never really raced any sort of indoor racing before. And you get the feeling that this is going to be a battle not just for this Arena Cross Championship, but for the British Motocross Championship as well. There might be a few more guys added in, of course. It's a pretty stacked field, but Conrad Muse taken to the Hop 450 Honda like a duck to water, and Tommy Searle looks really at home in the Kawasaki. That's the story of uh, 
British Arena Cross so far. It's been pretty spectacular racing. Yeah, very, very good racing. And I have to say, Belfast most certainly was the mm-hmm. Conrad Muse and the Tommy Sergio. They were on fire. And I mean, you said they lapped up the fifth or sixth, but if there had been blue flags and riders had not moved out of the way they were yeah. supposed to, they probably would have lapped the whole field, apart from maybe Burnell the second night. Uh, Aberdeen, it was actually nice to see Jack not being that far away. I think um, fitness, just, you know, Conrad Muse and Tommy mm-hmm. Searle obviously work very hard. And, fitness they have the fitness jack you know works he's not full time and it's not his job so they had the edge at the end of the race at the end of the races but it was just nice to see jack hang in there in the, in the first main event and then the second main event was just absolute chaos it was fantastic racing for anybody yeah, that hasn't seen it yeah, i actually recommend you yeah, I mean, A2 was good, but uh, this this final main event was bonkers. And it worked out very, very well for Josh Gilbert, who just about held on from, I think, was it Banks Brown or did Muse get back into second? Muse got back into second, that. barely, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, it was yeah, but if, I mean, yeah, another lap. And, I mean, it was five in a row, like, another lap, yeah, sir, maybe made a few moves. and So it was really, really good racing. And, yeah, like you say, I think um, those two could be battling all season together, really, whether it's indoor or outdoors, but brilliant, brilliant racing. And the show itself is pretty good. We're not the biggest fans of freestyle, so that's probably a bit long for our liking. But uh, the the head-to-head races are also pretty unmissable. So Jason Mira take out was it Luke Burton, I think, and, and Belfast just pretty much rammed them. Um, we had Gilbert versus Booker, a pretty amazing mm, final on the Friday night yeah. where Booker went to slam... Gilbert in the penultimate corner, then Gilbert near went over the bars, going into the final corner and still managed to pass Booker for the win. And then last, um, it was last night, which there's been that many, it's been mad. Mel Pocock sort of, just like he was playing mm. a PlayStation game, he took mm. a guy out to get to the final and then he took, <laughs> who even was in the final? He went down as well, Bayless, pretty hard off. Uh, mm. Bayless in the, the mid-air collision. So that was pretty flamboyant action before we even got to the main final on the LCQ which is pretty tense and they only let one in and it's usually pretty good field going into that so again um, maybe they should let two in there and not have the have the fan vote but we'll see what, what develops with that but every race there's something on it because the top guys want to get the inside gate pick because the inside gate pick is so important so from qualifying they're going for that. The heat races if you're Sterling Muse you're almost desperate to win your your side of the class or even if they're in the same one like they were this weekend last night everyone wants that inside gate because it's so important to get the start so every race there's something on it the other guys are just trying to get their scores in to qualify because they know that lcq and that head-to-head can be carnage so the the race inside of it which we're more interested in is 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 pretty intense and uh speaking to some of the riders i think they find that intense on the heart rate too there's not much rest either so it's interesting to see that comparison from indoor arena cross that they're most of those guys aren't really used to compared to motocross yeah absolutely and i have to say we've obviously had two rounds in belfast and two rounds in aberdeen now and and even though it's arena cross you sort of expect the tracks to be fairly similar the tracks actually weren't similar at all they were very different for arena cross so it was actually really good you know belfast i think it provided better racing for the head-to-heads because there was more yeah. tighter corners and more, more opportunity to take somebody out, whereas um, Aberdeen was maybe more of a better racetrack in terms of the riders had a bit more room. and But also I liked that the, the dirt was quite loose and you actually needed a bit of th- thrall controlling for some of the yeah. corners, so it offered a bit of everything really, but maybe just hard to pass. 
Yeah, also you maybe re- yeah, yeah, yeah. you relied on a mistake. Maybe, but then there were there was plenty of mistakes. Just there was a few few corners you needed good throttle control for. But yeah, overall fantastic racing, and, and uh, it should be interesting. I think there's only two rounds left now, so all the play for because the yeah. points points are so close. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, and also we should mention Sean Simpson. You got an interview with this his off. career, which yeah, you can yeah. check out on on our YouTube channel. But he didn't have the best of luck in Belfast, even though he was quick. He was up at six o'clock. He was up at five o'clock in the morning for the the Saturday at Aberdeen, doing practice on qualifying on his own at six a.m. because he had a wedding to go to. Went to the wedding, came back just before the the, the night show, and somehow qualified for the main event despite outside gate pick. So that was really good. The next night wasn't so good. He went over the bar spectacularly in the whoops, and that was the end of. Per Sean Simpson, this arena cross just hasn't went that well for him, despite looking quick. And it, it was a wee bit similar for Jack Nichols. Again, we spoke to him about his career um, for the YouTube channel, and he had a tough first night in Belfast, crashed out, didn't qualify. I think he qualified on the Saturday, and he was ill for the first night in Aberdeen. He was laden from the second night in his heat, and then he went down hard in the whoops and got clobbered, I think, by actually Sean Simpson in the head. So that was Jack back out again. So it hasn't always been a bed of roses for the, for the older British guys. They've had it sort of tough here and there, but actually on the track in their laps, they're riding well, but, but racing arena cross and quick decisions. And again, I spoke to some of the riders and said, everything's just happening so fast. Your brain is just having to be so alert all the time. And it's almost trying to predict what everyone else is doing as well as concentrating your own riding. And for Nichols and Simpson, it just, it hasn't been ideal so far, but that's, the way arena crosses we saw a couple of injuries as well booker he had a big crash broke his shoulder played chris bayless i think it was the friday night or saturday night in aberdeen he went down with a leg injury and he'd been riding really well too in belfast so there has been a bit of injury but i think overall especially with the just the british riders for the fans for the british series i think it's been a real good success so far yeah, absolutely. Really good. I mean, obviously they've changed it this year to have an all-British championship and I think that is good for the industry and obviously with the series being away for, th- I think, three three years, maybe four years, mm-hmm. can't quite remember if it was 2019 or 2020, but um, with that being away, obviously um, it's helped fill out the stadium, so that's that's been a real positive. Belfast is sold out in the, on the Saturday and pretty much sold out on the Friday. I mean, you're 90% sold out yeah, on Aberdeen. they packed on... Aberdeen looked packed on Saturday as well, and Sunday maybe seventy, eighty percent. So that's that's really good, positive. Mm-hmm. And um, just on some riders, I mean the Irish riders, J- James Mackerel and Jason Muir doing pretty well as well. Jason Muir, especially, he was going really, really well in Aberdeen, and yeah, um, G- I mean those guys aren't used to this type of racing at all, and the the work as well. So not easy to try and learn on the job, but that's what they're having to do effectively. So and you can see them getting guys. better each. Yeah, Each yeah. night they're getting more quicker and quicker and more used to it as well. So impressive for them. And I think for all those British guys, it's a, if this series can stay consistent, it's going to be a really good tool just for races, for the crowd, for fans, for the riders, for the teams and for the exposure. And also the the technical ability of British riders coming up in the next generation. I think it's going to be really useful. So hopefully it will stay on and we can get a British arena cross series that becomes as important as the as the British motocross series. Yeah, well, I think uh, instead of maybe committing to five or ten years, maybe just play it every year, how it goes sort of thing. Because, I mean, who are these next riders coming up? You know, you wouldn't want it where 
when you know Sherland and Simpson retire, you know they don't do it. Then like who are the top riders going to be? So yeah. maybe just one to keep an eye on. But maybe for the foreseeable, yeah, it's it's not a bad idea. Although I have to say I do miss the French riders. But then if you get the top French riders, the likes of Sherland Muse might not do it. So it becomes a bit of a maybe get a yeah exactly. <laughs> if we could get a happy medium, maybe in the future it'd be quite good. But certainly not a bad move to do it this year anyway. And I think so far it's been working well. So we'll have to see how it progresses in the future. Just. Exactly. So that was it, a review of the first uh, month of AMS Supercross and four British Arena Cross rounds. It's been pretty busy the last couple of weekends, but certainly some fantastic racing. And we'll be back with a review in a couple of weeks again. Andy, thanks for your time and uh, another few few busy weeks ahead. Hawkstone into, into that as well and Tampa Supercross. So a lot more racing to look forward to this season already. But the first month has sort of been and gone and uh, excellent racing. So Enjoy the next month and we'll speak to you again soon. Ciao.